Today on the Av Podcast, Wake Forest track and field star Aaliyah Hutchins joins the show as we discuss her journey into track and field, her biggest influences on the sport, how she became a star on TikTok. We also get into the new name, image, and likeness era that's about to embark on the NCAA and a whole lot more. Uh, this podcast was originally recorded the last week of June, right before the NCAA ruling on said name, image, and likeness, before she got her first deal, which was done last week, I believe. Um, so congratulations to her. A big shout out to her for that. South Sharaf is available wherever you listen to podcasts. Hit the like button, the favorite button on whichever platform you take in my shows. And this episode is available on every one of these platforms, especially, specifically, on my South Sharaf YouTube channel as this was recorded for YouTube. Uh, so please don't forget to click each and every single one of the five stars if you're on Apple Podcasts and the follow and subscribe button if you're listening right here, right now, and to check out the catalog of podcast shows on SouthSharaf.com from all the Av episodes to my stories, which as of this year is exclusively on my YouTube channel, but you can still get it all here once again on SouthSharaf.com. It's the Av Podcast with Cal C on South Sharaf Radio. Tick, tock, tick, tock, run! Welcome to the Av Podcast with Cal C on South Sharaf Radio. Welcome to the Av Podcast. Uh, my guest today is a track star at Wake Forest. Um, all ACC in the 800 meters, all American in the four by 400 meters in her freshman year. She has her own talk show uh, called Tapped In on in Instagram. And um, and when she's not running things on the track, she instantly, magically, becomes a TikTok superhero slash Avenger. I don't know if you guys have ever seen that before, but it's it's quite amazing. Um, she's got like over what one million followers, 1.2, 1.3. I don't know. She's in a, she's a superstar. She's a superstar. Uh, please welcome Pickering's own Aaliyah Hutchins to the show. How you doing today? Hi guys, I'm good. Thank you for having me on. Um, it's so funny, I was saying, I'm usually the one interviewing, so it's nice to have somebody interview me and I'm happy that you reached out, so yeah, excited. Gotta, gotta play both sides of it, man. So that's, that's, that's <laughs> a good part of it. Um, so, yeah, for you sure. Know, so I know, you know, obviously, you, you know, your your life right now is track and being, uh, you know, being a student athlete at Wake Forest. But every story, you know, has a has a starting point. Every story has a genesis. Um, the very beginning, like what what was the like, where did everything start for you in terms of your love for track? Like, how did you get into it? Like, what was the very beginning of the of the journey for you? OK, so the very beginning of the journey for me was second grade um it was track and field day sports day and at the end of the school year i tried out for all the other teams that year and didn't make any of them basketball volleyball whatever you want to name it um i couldn't play it and the first day was sprints okay we had two days and the first day was sprints and i tried out for the one two four they had like softball all the not softball like shot, put, throw, but it was just the softball. Mm -hmm. And um, I didn't make it for any of those. I wasn't fast enough. I didn't get like top three or enough to make it to like regionals. And I'm in the second grade and I tell my teacher at the time, I was like, oh, I'm not good at anything. Like this sucks. 
Uh, I'm disappointed in myself. Um, maybe next year. And she was like, you know what, Aaliyah? Like tomorrow is long distance day. You can try out for like the 800, 1500. And I was like, that sounds like a lot of laps that I don't want to do. But she's mm -hmm. like, just try. Like if you want to make a team, you, you at least have to try. So the next day I tried out for the eight and 1500. Um, and I beat all the third graders and made it to regionals. And ever since then, like the eight and the 15 at the time, but the 800 mostly is the only thing I ever like won consistently. And I'm an 800 meter specialist. And so, wow. So you make this in second grade. I'm thinking like you started in high school. Um, no, like I started clubbing in the eighth grade, um, end of eighth grade or start of eighth grade, like end of my middle school. Um, but yeah, like the second grade is when I was like, oh, the 800 is like the only thing I'm good at or like this middle distance event thing. And it only used to be like annually. But mm -hmm. from when I was young, like my grandparents and my parents knew that it was something I was going to be good at. So, yeah. Oh, and crazy. I felt. Yeah. <laughs> that's crazy. So, so basically from then you knew you knew the vision kind of from there yeah. that at least at the very least you liked it. But that was the starting yeah. point for you. And ever since then, I haven't made any other sports team either. So that's how you know. <laughs> that's how you know it was meant to be. They were like 100 over here. We're not even going to like no. let her average anything else. It's funny. Not even not even going to try. So so who was your inspiration to get started? Was it your teacher or was it or was it a gym teacher or was it just? Yeah, it oh, was wow. my gym teacher. Um, I, she was just like made me feel like I had to believe in myself to even achieve a goal. And that's when I realized that was like my first realization I, over the years, I've had to be more aware of that. Like you have to believe in yourself to achieve anything. Mm -hmm. But that was the first person that made me realize, yeah, I, I've got to try to keep going. So, yeah. Was there any other like uh, people that inspire you to keep going? Like, was there anybody in your. <laughs> yeah. To keep going. I mean, like my parents and grandparents, like every year, they're like, you can do this. Because when I was younger, it wasn't serious. It was just like an annual thing. For fun. So I was like, oh, I would try. But I would always get nervous. It was only once a year um, for like three weeks. Because it'd be like, like the school thing, divisionals, and then like championships, regionals, whatever you want to call it, or whatever, the different divisions. And I always like have performance anxiety. Like I always would underestimate myself for some reason. Uh -huh. I feel like that even happens a lot now I'm more confident but still and you know they would just let me know like calm down you've got this you're naturally talented we started to realize and yeah it would end up working out end of the day so and that's the thing too you, you you're gonna naturally have those butterflies right like even if you're great at something you still have those moments where you're like ooh, that that whiff of yeah. doubt comes by for just a split second even for sure. And like, other than like those people in my family, like my blood relatives, like my friends in middle school. Um, and then, yeah, once I joined a club team, there was a lot of inspiration there, just other people who really like had a love for the sport. And then I started looking into like Olympians, like a Melissa Bishop, you know, looking up to those kinds of people, other NCAA athletes. And it's just going from there. So was there, because you're running 800 meters, was there somebody, you know, um, I know you just mentioned it, but there was there somebody like, um, like even through high school or, or even elementary high school that you're looking at that's maybe like a professional star that you're looking at now where you're like, oh man, I want to be like her. I want to be like him. Yeah. Melissa Bishop, for sure. I mean, she's, she's our Canadian record holder. She's amazing. I mean, she just had a kid and she's like, 
fighting to get that medal at the Olympics this year. Mm. She's amazing. Um, has such a great personality from what I've seen. And I've seen her run a couple of times. Like she just fights for it. So definitely looked up to her. And I know that like when she was my age, she didn't go to America for school. She went to University of Windsor. Okay. Um, just like nice to see somebody progress. You don't necessarily have to be in that like big athletic, like hype environment and you can make it. So I'm trying to make the most of it the same way she did. Um, and yeah, she's somebody I definitely looked up to. And I mean, and, and that's the thing, right? Like great talent always comes from, it could be from anywhere, right? Anywhere. Yeah. Any school, big or small, what, different sides of the border, it doesn't really matter, right? Like it's always- Yeah, the background doesn't matter. It's just, it's, it's like, how much do you want it, you know? Mm -hmm. yeah. No, for sure. Like, and I know with every dream, every goal that somebody has like, for it to work, it's, it has to be fostered by a great environment. So, I mean, first by you and then little by little, the, like yeah. some of the people that you let into that dream kind of support and foster that. So yeah. other than your parents and like some of your, you know, like other than your parents and stuff, or your grandparents, Mm -hmm. uh, who are the main people to help you build that positive environment that you, that, you know, always comes to mind when you think of that? Yeah. Okay. So the people I'd have to say are like my closest friends. <laughs> I'll shout them out if they ever watch this, but Sam and Emily, they're my closest friends from high school. And obviously like my teammates from high school too, but those girls, <laughs> my best friends, they don't know anything about track, but they just knew how much it meant to me. Mm -hmm. And so they would always push me and just tell me I had it. Maybe if they didn't even know what was going on, but it always meant a lot too. And then like my school track team and teammates, I mean, like they really push me and want to see, we want to see each other do well. Um, you know, uh, and then I would say my like home track team, like coach Brian, coach Randy, who coached me at the time, like they really had good intentions and wanted to see me do well. Like in the NCAA, like in America, I run in some in, run into some bad coaches, some like negative situations. There is problems over there. And a lot of the time you don't see people or meet people who have you in their best interest. Yeah. But my coaches from back home, like my friends and my family, like they are those people. Well, I think too, you, you realize, I guess when you go to school, it's, I mean, you're a quote unquote amateur, but it's, it's more of a job, right? Like it's more of, at least it, it feels the preparation for that is like, it feels like a job. There's, there's, there's a lot more at stake. So for sure. And yeah, like I've met some like amazing coaches over there, like a, a, a lot of them, but you know, some people just like, they want to see you get the points and win and it, like everything else. It's like, it doesn't matter like how it's making you feel. It's like how their reputation improves. So it's like, yeah. it's like a job, you know, yeah. so you're representing that person, that coach. You're, you're, there rep you're representing yeah. that career basically. Right. Cause yeah. there's always an angle and a play at it. Like once you, yeah. once you get over there, yeah. Which, you know, which makes sense too, I guess. Right. Cause it, it is, too. Yeah. It, it is a business. And you know, if, if um, they're not getting their points, you know, their job is on the line kind yeah. of thing. Right. Yeah, I think, yeah, you just got to, like, be very, like, I guess, more, uh, like, effective with it or, like, morally correct, I would say. Ethical. Ethical, I would say. Ethical with it. Because, yeah, like, some people are too selfish. But then, you know, you need somebody. You also need people who are going to push you, too, at the same time. You just need right. to find that good balance in the middle. So was there a moment in high school, for example, where you said to yourself, Aliyah, I got it. I got it. Like, was there a race, a practice, like a tune-up event where you thought to yourself that, you know what, I could definitely take this further? 
Like, this is so funny, but like it was my last ever high school race, like race as a high schooler. It was not even OFSA. I never won an 800 meter medal at OFSA. Wow. Um, I used to have such bad performing anxiety. I grew up with OCD and anxiety, like pretty bad. So I used to be in my head a lot. I cope with it well now. Um, but yeah. it used to be in my head for like most important races. Um, and it wasn't until my like last high school race at U of T it was in I think end of June maybe July beginning of July I ran 207 and the reason why I knew like I I had this or I had the potential to be great was I was running with a bunch of older girls and every time before I would start a race I would lose the race before I would start because I'd be like oh they're gonna beat me they've had more experience maybe they want it more than me something like that and started that race that way and the last 200, I was like, I'm kind of close to them. Like, this is pretty nice. And in that race, if you won, you would get a t-shirt if you won your heat. And I passed this girl uh, with 150 to go on the inside. And I was like, hey, like, maybe I could get a t-shirt. And then I got going and I ran 207, like a PB. And it was just nice that I started, like, the race thinking neg- negatively of of myself and I realized how much I underestimated myself. So ever since then, um, I've tried not to do that. Sorry, the notification just like popping up. I'm not reading it or anything. It is gone. But um (laughs) I figured, I figured. (laughs) Yeah, but ever since that like race, I've been like, I've got this and I'm trying to be more mindful of like the talent that I have and to use it as effectively as possible. Like going to the line with confidence and swagger is so important. Um, and just feeling like you're meant to be there. Okay, yeah. so so with that said, like, did you get recruited late then? Like, how did this how did this work? What was the first school that reached out to you? I guess that's kind of two questions, but how did that um, The first school that ever reached out to me, okay, so it was end of grade 11 maybe, and a Canadian school, Lakehead University, reached out to me and I was like, Oh, right. Yeah. Like, yeah, it's kind of fancy. Like I can go to school for track. They think I'm, they think I'm cool. Like I was like, nice. Um, and my times dropped that summer. And then a D2 school reached out to me once I ran a 209 and I was like, okay, like I can go to the States for school. Interesting. I didn't even know you could get a full scholarship at that time. Mm -hmm. So then my coach, my club coach, Randy was helping me to get, um, a scholarship and then that's when I realized you could get all your school paid for so then um schools like Wake was one of the first ones that reached out to me uh Kentucky hmm, there's a lot of them at the time I didn't realize like how many were looking at foreign athletes because in Canada they don't give scholarships, scholarships or full scholarships so I just didn't know this was a thing um but yeah I, I got recruited like early 12th grade from like American schools and then I signed in November to a different school than the one I'm at but there was a complication there and then I landed at Wake and I've been there ever since okay are we allowed to get into the complication as to what yeah. happened with, what no, happened with we can get into the complication um so basically the at the time um most of my scholarship offers were full um and Wake was the first school that I visited though so like you're visit, allowed to visit five schools, that was 10, five schools um, when you're looking at different schools. And Wake was the first one I visited. And when I visited Wake, 
I knew that that was a school for me. Like people would always say, you're going to know that it's a school for you when you go. And when I went, it was like a perfect day. The people, the environment was great. Pristine facilities. Like I knew that was where I was going to progress. But unfortunately at the time, my time was not fast enough to obtain a full scholarship from Wake. So I was very upset and that's okay though. I was looking at other schools. I went to Illinois University of um, uh, Florida, like UCF, University of Central Florida, not Florida, but um, Central Florida and uh, Rutgers. Yeah. And so then I went to Rutgers and it was close to home. Um, so it made sense to me, I guess. Um, and I was like, I felt like I could progress wherever I went. I was like, I I had enough confidence at that point. I was like, you know, maybe they're not known for like an 800 meter program or whatever, but like, I think I can progress here. I kind of liked it. I was like, okay, I signed. Um, and that what had happened was the head coach of that time at the school, once I signed, um, he started to text me in an inappropriate manner, like just inappropriate type of language. Um, And I, yeah, like I I went to the NCAA and to the NLI people, like, um, uh, yeah, to tell them that like, I didn't feel comfortable going there. It took me a while to even speak to somebody like somebody close to me to tell them what was going on so that I could even get to that point to say anything to anybody in a higher position. Um, But then once I heard about that, yeah, um, I was released from the school and I was able to go somewhere else because I did not feel comfortable going there anymore. And yeah, that was like my first run in with like people in the NCAA like coaches using positions of power for negative reasons there's a lot of coaches who are amazing people but that was like the first experience where I was like oh man like this isn't right you know mm-hmm. um, and that was like the complication so then I was um released and once I was released I had actually run a faster time after at New Balance Nationals and then Wake reached out to me again and was like we're able to give you this scholarship now and that's where I'm at now. And I've um, done well there up until my injury. Um, but, you know, that's where I felt like I needed to be. And it, it, it just so happened that I was able to go there. So and that's a and I mean, that's a that's not a good precedent when that's happening when you're going. Yeah. to. I mean, that's got to be a lot of pressure, too, because you have a scholarship on the line. You know it what was I mean? so-, so stressful, like because everybody's telling you sign on like November 14th on signing day. And then when it's like a couple months later, you're like, Oh my gosh, is there even any money left? Like, what am I going to do? Am I going to take a year off? Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. That's, that's gotta be pressure. Cause, and especially too, you go to somewhere where you don't like, or something like that's happening. Like what's what, like, if that's the, if that's the starting point, <laughs> where does it go from there? You know what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah, that, that's, yeah. that's crazy. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. It is. It was crazy, but um, I'm okay now. So, and how, I mean, I guess Wake Forest is treating you, treating you great, but like, like, um, like has any, has your, has anything like your expectations changed about the school or like how you feel about it from the time that you landed on campus till now, or has everything just been like where Uh, you want to see it? Yeah. um, (laughs) So, okay. I think coming from Canada, I'm a kind of person like 
I don't stand for anything that's like negative, like inappropriate, like morally incorrect, I guess, or like ethically incorrect. Um, so uh, this is when I start to realize that coaches at like in positions of power, like especially like in the NCAA, you hear of it a lot, like use their position positions of power for negative. But uh, I actually did have, okay. Like, yeah, I'm just not the kind of person that like stands for anything negative. Like I speak up and I realize a lot of people are like maybe scared to, and that's okay. But like, I have my platform and like, I know what needs to be done, even if it's hard, but the, the, the coach at my school, like my 800 meter coach at wake, um, he ended up getting fired as well because as not a similar situation, it wasn't like he was saying anything weird or that kind of stuff, but it was just like, he was doing things that were ethically wrong. Like for example, this year I like went into like a pretty bad depression um, oh. from I wasn't allowed to allowed to go home for Christmas break this year. Um, oh, but I wasn't allowed to go home for Christmas break this year because his goal for me was to go to the Olympics this year, even though it wasn't my goal. Right. So he said it was sanctioned through the school to like stay over break or like that. It was like, okay, I guess. And then I stayed over Christmas break and then like my mentality just like became so bad like me my parents and I had two separate zoom calls just asking if I could come home quarantine go back like I needed that mental break and I wasn't allowed to have that and then I ran my whole like indoor season all the times were worse than my freshman campaign and then like I ran a good time once this season a 204 uh and like that was it but like the whole season I just felt so mentally drained and like I didn't feel like I loved the sport and then I got injured because he was deferring me from our athletic trainers and that's when our athletic trainers and I like found out that something was wrong and then it was uncovered that all of this other stuff was so wrong there's like a lot more to the story but you know, I made sure that he's like, gone now, right? I guess. It, yeah, he's gone now. He's right. gone now. Um, and it was not even like I was trying to do anything negative. I didn't. The thing is, I didn't realize like I didn't know like all the rules he was breaking and the things that were wrong. And I couldn't pinpoint why I was so depressed. And yeah, like so now I realize how important like mental health is and how important it is to speak up to like and stand up to people in positions of power that are using their power wrong. Because I thought that everything at Wake would be fine. But first year was okay. And then second year was like, because I did well, so well, first year, there's so much pressure on me. And Mm -hmm. then it was like, I didn't even love the sport anymore. And now I'm recovering and I just hope I can go back. And I know I'll go back and like, do what I want to do with the sport and like, find that love for it again. Yeah. Uh, And I mean, I think you will, as long as you, you, I guess you're staying positive with it and everything else. Right. For sure. Yeah. But, but, but having a clear head, you know, obviously helps. Cause I know there was some athletes even during this period where, or, you know, as you said, like we're able to kind of, you know, sneak out, sneak in and out quarantine, that kind of thing. And, yeah. you know, do it for a couple of weeks and stuff. Right. So, yeah, yeah but you do, but you do need that. You do need, need that to clear your head. I mean, even pre COVID, you know, you do need that, that little bit of a break. Right. Yeah. 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 Cause sure. on top of that, I mean, we're talking about the athletic perspective, but I mean, obviously you're a student too. You still got your books, you still got tests, essays, exams, you know what I mean? Like yeah, for sure. And like, 
sometimes yeah you just need a break like yeah. you know she didn't break, especially I being an international student, like it's like not like my family could come visit during COVID and stuff. So like I would have had to go over, you know what I mean? Yeah, like it's like yeah. certain things you got to think about, right? Yeah. And that's a mix of stuff too, because with, with all the COVID restrictions and stuff, like the border, yeah. everything, it's, it's messy, right? It could get yeah. messy. So you don't exactly. know everything that's happening there. No, it makes sense. Um, sure. I want to ask you, like what, what made you do both the, like the 1500 and, the 800 meters like it's it's a unique situation to be able to run both of those events like what what made you get into those events yeah so basically when i started in like the second grade uh i don't even run the 50 anymore. i want ran 115 this year but like okay. the 15 used to be like my one of my main things when i was younger um so 8 and 15 is like my favorite thing and i guess it was just the fact that i wasn't good at like sprint stuff so I got into like the longer distance because a lot of people are like, you know, it hurts, like it does hurt. So I was like, maybe I should fight through it. And so I ended up being good, like at it just because I don't know, I'm a determined person. So I was like, let me get it done. Um, and yeah, the only reason I stopped the 15 is because a lot of the track coaches I talked to in the eighth grade when I wanted to start um, track they were saying that they only train up until like the four 800 meter events because the 1500, um, you know, at a young age, it can like affect your bones. You know, if you're running it too much training for it, just that much training while you're growing can okay. be a, a little dangerous or like can affect your growth or your bones maybe. Um, and it's a stressful event to run because it's pretty long and the training's long. Um, so that's the only reason why I stopped in the eighth grade and I just never really went back to it. I kind of just stuck with the eight. Um, and then I did the four and eight and this year I tried one 1500, um, and it's pretty fun, but I'm going to stick to the eight. Now so. <laughs> I had a friend of mine who, um, who was, he also, um, he ran the 800 and he did the 1500 and, 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 and everything else. But like, I want to ask you personally, how do you train for that? Because for people who don't know, running 800 meters, that's, that's running a controlled sprint twice around the track. And yeah. I mean, and it sounds simple, like how I'm saying it, but it's, it is not simple. That is, that is a hard thing to do. One thing it to jog not. it, even, even jog it is sometimes you're like, man, <sighs> you know, you try to do it under a certain pace. You're like, oh, but to, to do a controlled sprint, like, like what for you, if you could just take us behind the curtain a little bit, like. What, what goes into training for you without giving like all your secrets away, of course, but. Okay, hey, uh, the secret is the mentality anyway, so it don't matter, but, okay, right, um, but yeah, uh, I guess we do, well, when I got to college, we started doing a lot of mileage, which actually helped me. I thought I didn't want to do mileage, all this stuff, but it was helping me. So I started going on like 30 to, now I'm up to like 45 minute runs. Um, mm -hmm. And that helps. Like you have to have enough endurance to carry yourself out. But then you have to have 800 meter like pace training or like threshold kind of stuff. Um, one of my hardest workouts that we do maybe every two weeks is six 800s with two minute break in between. And they're usually around like 240 for the pace. And so like you're kind of dying, but like it, it really helps you to know what it's like to hurt in the race mm -hmm. you know um and yeah you just have to get used to feeling pain because the 800 is painful it's not over quick mm -hmm. and even if it is over quick you're still in that like sprinter's pain like you might feel in a 400 but you're doing it for two laps per se right. um and then 
once you're in like the probably like around the peak of your season, you're starting to do more sprint work because you've got to have that speed still uh, to make those even pace 200s fast so that you can drop that 800 time for me at least because I'm more of like a four, eight runner, I guess you would say. Um, I like to call myself an 800 specialist. I'm not the fastest in the four, not the fastest in the 15. We'll work on it. But, you know, I got to be as even as possible with my splits and to learn how to do that is super important. Um, So, you know, a lot of pace work too. Okay. So you're basically, obviously you're coming from the long distance side of it, not the sprinter side of it. Cause I know the training is a little bit different for both yeah, I well, I would say we do long, long distance training, but I feel like maybe on my team, I train more on like the sprinter side of things because I, I do sprint work with the sprint group on some days, like our actual sprint group, and then I'll do long runs and then I'll do like my 800 work. Um, I guess a bit of both worlds, a little bit of both, we kind of mix it together. Yeah, yeah, so it gives you that balance, I guess, training wise to. Yeah. the speed and I guess the endurance it's it's like I said I commend you that's it's that that is not an easy thing to do yeah balance for sure now um and I know you're currently injured at the moment what's the injury that you have again it's uh yeah I had a stress injury um so I had a type 2 stress injury a lot of inflammation in in my shin uh, I also just, like had a minor strain on my soleus um but yeah I'm working my way back up from that it was when I first started feeling pain in my shin I never even felt it while I was running I could just feel it when I touched my shin and it really hurt like a bruise um but then it got like prolonged and now um that I know about it it's bad because I'm not running but I get to have like a mental break but it's it's nice because in a way to have this break because now I can think about like what my goals are like for me and then like just really strengthening all the parts of my body that I didn't know to strengthen like you know I wasn't thinking like specifically about how to strengthen my soleus so that like my shin doesn't pull or like how to stretch here and all that stuff so I feel like I'm getting a lot more mindful as well as an athlete I've never had an injury before so this is the first time and it's the first one yeah everyone has to go through it at some point so And yeah. this is the way to kind of like figure out your body, right? Like figure out what, what needs to like, what's the strong points, what's the weak points. Yeah. Like just to, and I guess to kind of minimize injuries going forward too, right? To keep your yeah. and everything strong and your muscles elongated and everything else, right? Sure. Yeah. Mm, that's interesting. That's interesting. Yeah. Sorry you have to go through that though, but I mean, it is, you're playing sports. You're going to, you know, it's going to happen at some point, right? It's going to happen at some point And like, you know, even if it could have been prevented, I knew I had to go through something like this at some point. And like, now I can just be more aware of like everything, like my body, different situations. And yeah, hopefully not have to deal with something like this again. Um, And just, yeah, get to know my body better because it's so important to just be aware of what's good for yourself. So yeah. No, no problem. So um, like, what actually goes into your process like of rehab? Do you have to rehab like twice a day or once a day or is it like a constant yeah. thing during the day or like how does it work yeah. for you so what since i've been back in canada um i've been seeing a physiotherapist once a week and like he's helped me a lot my physiotherapist at school she's great she's so sweet but at the time like before my two-week quarantine there was only so much i could do like just like strengthening my ankles and everything around it because i couldn't really like walk or run but since Mm. I've been back working with my physiotherapist here um I've been able to get 
like more active work done on it. And I'm able to actually like start running again. I've done like a two kilometer run the other day is like what I kind of started with. Um, And I did that twice. I was doing a lot of pool workouts to get back into like, I guess like, (laughs) good cardio yeah. um, and take the stress and, off right take the stress, yeah, off, take the stress yeah. off lots of stretching um you know just making sure that nothing's tight on its own so that you know less chance of pulling or straining something and then um hydration is key everyone says that but like sometimes i feel like being in being a runner for this long like i physically feel like when my body isn't hydrated like my muscles just feel tight and everything so doing that but once a day i'll stretch um you know try to get a like a walk a bike swim or now run in like a small run Uh and um uh, doing like core still try and keep my body like strong, keep my other muscles strong. Yeah. But when I'm back, I'm not feeling weak or unathletic, I guess. Now, I mean, I know we've discussed this online, but I know the NCA has let loose the reins a little bit in terms of athletes being able to profit off of their likeness after like decades and decades <laughs> of, of not allowing athletes to do this. Um, so what are your thoughts on the situations and now be a part of this new world where they're allowing you to kind of, you know, profit off of your name, image and likeness? Yeah, I mean, for me and so many of the other athletes, like it's so important. You know, we're making money for this corporation. We're putting the work in every day. It's a billion dollar corporation. They got billions. I mean, like it's it's crazy. Mm-hmm. Um, and we're not allowed to make our own money. But now that we finally are able to, well, I'll get to that in a second. We're not like fully able to. Right. Now that there's like hopes of being able to, we're all excited um, because a lot of us are getting estimates of how much we're able to make. So we're kind of seeing like, this is a real thing. Like, you know, for me personally, I don't like, I'm not like a money hungry person. I don't like care so much about money. It's not like my main life goal to be rich, but I know that to live a comfortable life, like you have to have money and like to set yourself up for success. Like, Maybe I want to start investing or, um, you know, put something in stocks, like save some money uh, for the future. So it'd be nice to have. And um, it's comforting to know that at some point soon we'll be able to make this money. But uh, the NCAA did rule um, on the side with athletes so that we could get like grants for educational purposes or uh, like grad school scholarships, grants, stuff like that. Mm-hmm. But they actually didn't grant us any permission as yet to be sponsored or to do any advertising. Advertising, And that's where most of the money comes from. Like for me, because I am pretty prominent on like social media, like TikTok, you would say, there's a lot of money that I could be making from that that I still am not able to make. And then on top of that, I'm an international student athlete. So if they do pass those rules, as an international student athlete, um, you're, as of right now, not able to make that money either because you're only allowed to have on-campus jobs as an international student. Um, and those jobs- Really? No, I won't be able to make that money as of right now. So it's kind of upsetting, but at the same time, it's just like, I guess, is what it is, but we're trying to fight for it. Um, so there's a lot of international students, student, in uh, student athletes in the NCAA, by of the way, course. So, that, that's you know, like, everybody knows that. So we're like, hey. that doesn't even make sense. 
Yeah. <laughs> that doesn't even make sense. Wow. That's, I mean, and first of all, the, um, the, the, the bill that got passed that allows like, like student athletes to get like educational purposes, grants, laptops, that's those type of things that literally passed today as we're recording that. But, um, but the aspect of, of, you know, as an international student, I'm sorry, I'm, I'm a little confused by that. that doesn't, that doesn't even make sense to me because. Okay, so I can go into a little depth with that because it's something I had to. No, please, please do, please do, because that is yeah. no, and, and I'm, I'm not saying it doesn't make sense what you're saying. I believe you. I'm just saying like that oh, yeah, doesn't no, actually compute because once you're at the school and you're 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 still bringing in revenue to the school right? yourself yeah, so and other international athletes. It's kind of crazy, yeah. So when I got to Wake, um, I'm on an F1 student visa. So student visa. Um, could be from anywhere else in the world other than the United States. Right. So lots of students on a student visa. Um, as an NCAA athlete, even if they pass the rules for us to be able to make money advertising, getting grants, whatever, maybe the grant stuff, I just know for a fact that like making money outside of school purposes, I won't be able to. You can only have an on-campus job as an international student. Um, and the problem with international student athletes making money um through the ncaa or not through the ncaa but being in the ncaa is if they pass the bill for international student athletes to be able to make money then every single international student will should be able to make money and that's the problem i guess that they don't want to deal with the government doesn't want to deal with i guess um because it's pretty unfair i know it has to do with taxes and like us not being citizens i guess and like maybe people thinking we're going to be taking jobs from people who live there so they want us to go through the actual like work visa process but we're students like oh we don't have time for that so it's yeah, pretty you're, upsetting you're living the same life as everybody else that's from america that has the same situation here that, that that you have it doesn't make sense yeah, it doesn't really make sense, you know, so. Um, so that's that's something that, like, I guess you're, is that something that you're kind of taking on a little bit in terms of uh, of trying to open up that laneway? Or? Yeah, sure. Like, I've been having a lot of conversation with a lot of people who are educated on what's going on. Because, you know, it's funny, like, people from my school, other student athletes will ask me what's going on because they, you know, I, I guess I guess I have, like, the large following of social media, so they think that, like, I'm ready to make money and like sometimes yeah. I'm like I wish I knew what was going on but things are changing all the time and uh, we no, just that's got to gotta change that's yeah, gotta, that has to change to people in positions of power like a lot of my friends I don't know um if you know like Sedona Prince she does a lot of stuff like she's always trying to make these different moves um and like try to make things happen so we're trying to talk to people like um in the government and trying to make these changes so interesting though yeah, that's 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 interesting because i'm thinking you know with this opening up like you know people are thinking of the basics of you know signing autographs or signing paraphernalia and different things but you know we're in this we're in this in the in the social media tech space world right now so so, so people like you like this is where this is where you shine because i'm thinking like if you're an athlete of right now you know what's to say like an app company comes in sponsors you or, or you have an agreement you know what i mean like those though all those opportunities are open right yeah and it's crazy because we started getting estimates on how much like our name image and likeness is worth um and like just to see how much you're worth and how much money you could be making is crazy because it's like you could be like 
paying off your school yourself. Like, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. paying for, you know, like helping your family out. There's a lot of student athletes also that are international student athletes who have stipends and stuff. And they're sending their money back home to their families because they need it. Like they they're their it. family's avenue to be successful as well. And it's like, if we could be making this money, there wouldn't be as many people struggling, you know? Yeah. So uh, it's, it's, it's funny not like it, what it is, but like, no, it's funny because the, the the thing that I think about when I when I think of this of the situation is um, what two years ago, and I'm just going from the basketball perspective when when Zion Williamson was at Duke, and I think they're playing North Carolina, so I think okay. that was a game where he exploded through his shoe, and he basically missed the whole game. But I'm saying this because they sold out in like minutes. There's people camping out the night before, two nights before just to buy tickets for this game, you know, right. they're on ESPN all the time. Like this, like him and, and RJ Barrett, they, I mean, especially Zion, they made that school for, I mean, Duke is already rich, but they made so, they generated so much revenue. Yeah. You know, and that Duke Carolina game was a rival. And I'm thinking, I'm looking at that and the tickets were going for like, some of these tickets were like 10,000, 10,000. Like, you're they're making that mm. Obama's at the game, you know, Spike Lee's at the game, Hove's at the game. Like you're you know, these this isn't just this isn't just a little, you know, a little small rinky thing gym. Like these yeah. are these are mega stars coming to this watch a college game and nobody's making like the student doesn't get you know, the student doesn't get like I don't know, ten dollars from that. Like to no. me that means you lose your scholarship. Yeah. It's unreal. So, so if you so if so if Obama decided to buy um, Zion a burger or, you know, or if Michelle Obama wanted to buy you a sandwich, you know, after watching your event and being impressed at your 800 meter event, that's, that can cost you your entire scholarship. That like, that's, that's crazy. Yeah. The way it works is like, if there's any possibility that what you're doing has to do with the fact that you're a student athlete, like if, if somebody's doing you a favor and it has to do with the fact that you're a student athlete, you could lose your scholarship if like they find out that that's like the motive underneath like it's absolutely absurd and but it's like the rules that you have to follow like i haven't made any money off of being a student athlete like since i've been a student athlete at wake forest through my tiktok like i have 1.2 million followers on tiktok and there are people that maybe have like two or three hundred thousand that like can do it for a living like you know what i'm saying like that's their only source of income and i'm just like like i get that we're getting our scholarships paid for a lot of the time a lot of people like depending on what kind of scholarship you have but like you know we're trying to get our degree to get a job but like this could be my job too be, so, yeah this, and, and, who, and who knows where that can go right yeah, like, yeah, also you don't know how long this social media like how long tiktok's gonna stay around for so like if by the time i leave school and like i'm like irrelevant on that app it's like wow i really did miss out on an opportunity but i know that like at the end of the day like track is my main opportunity that that's what even got me the tiktok opportunity i guess like yeah. but so you know I, I know what i have to stick to but at the same time you think of all these things and it goes through your head well i mean you're human how could you not right like yeah, how you, could you not? you're seeing these things and it's like these clouds coming and you're like oh my gosh like i could do you yeah. know what i could do here like I, I i totally understand that and and you'd be crazy not to even think like that and the craziest part is like with social media now is like yeah because the most I can do is try to stay relevant for like the next two years. Um, so like posting content, but I'm not the kind of person that's like, I post on my social media, but that's to stay relevant. Like I don't have Snapchat anymore because, you know, 
I like to live like real life, like in the moment, hang out with my friends, like do right. that stuff. And social media is also consuming, but that's not the image I put out on there. Like, you know, it seems like I'm on my phone all the time, but like, if I'm not posting for fun, I'm posting to stay relevant. Like, relevant. and yeah, like I love the people that support me. Those people are amazing, but like, I, I don't want it to just be for like gaining like clout what people say for myself right. but at the same time like it's crazy you have to you have to stay relevant like yeah no um so and i, I want to ask more questions about that in a second but um but i just want to ask you quickly like what's what's the misconception that you think people have about athletes on scholarship in your mind like <laughs> <laughs> i think the the misconception people have is that like we have it easy like there's a lot of stuff that like yeah, we we have, um, for example, like the nutrition room, like we have those snacks and everything. You're like, you don't have to like buy breakfast, all this stuff. You know, like we have things, but I feel like a lot of the time it's things that we need, like our own gyms and stuff like that. Um, um, but for the most part, like we're doing everything else that the regular students are doing. I should, I should, should say right. The other students are doing. Um, and the only reason why we have these like other things is because we need it in order to, you know, be the student athletes that we are, but we still got to take care of our grades, especially at wake. Like people made it sound like student athletes, like don't have to do their schoolwork. Somebody does it for them. Oh, well, this, that. No, I got study coach sessions like twice a week trying to make sure I'm on my stuff because everything I do that I hand in is what they're looking at, what they're marking. Like, nobody's doing it for me. Like, right. I got these five classes on top of practice, on top of weights, you know, on top of, like, my personal stress. And, like, we're doing it on our own. So um, maybe that's just at Wake. I don't know what other people experience at other schools. But, like, for us, like, it's hard. Like, we're doing the work. Um, and, <laughs> yeah, I think a lot of people think that we get a lot of stuff easy, but no, you have to work for respect and to be respected um, and all of that. Like, <laughs> Yeah, and, and, and honestly, I mean, I'll say it for you <laughs> if I can, but yeah. I mean, you, you are working harder than the average student that works at the school because the average student just gets to focus on their, yeah. you know, their studies and everything else. They can still work. You know, yeah. you still got to do everything else, but like you have like, a, like essentially yeah. a job. Yeah. And, and track scholarships i mean that is like i have some friends that has done track and i mean and you're <laughs> you're sighing already so i love it i love it but like man it's hard it's, it's a lot of work it's a lot of work and you have to love it like it's it's a lot of work it is, it is it. very taxing it's taxing for sure yeah it's very taxing it no is. that's 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 crazy because yeah like i said i you know i've i've had many friends family members who've had scholarships and everything else and and like I said, I used to be a student athlete once upon a time in my life, you know, up to university yeah. and stuff, but it's work. It's, it's work. like, it's work. Like you, those days when you're practicing, when your body's sore, you don't want to practice. Oh. And then, you, and then you, you know, you're leaving practice at eight o'clock and you're like, oh my God, I still have to write a six page essay. Yes. Oh my yes. God, it's due tomorrow. It's due tomorrow. And it's just, you know, you're going through the whole thing. You're going through the motions for sure. Like it's wild. And then. I guess when it comes to like, if we're not even talking, I completely agree with everything you just said, but if we're talking about just social life, what I realized, especially going to school in America, where like sports is such a big culture and like seen as like this, like amazing, like D1 athletes. Oh my God. You know what I mean? Like, um, it's just a big thing. 
a lot of the time you realize that a lot of the people that like you or are friends with you or want to be friends with you, you start to think like, would you be friends with me if I wasn't an athlete, Mm. you know? And so I keep my circle really small. Like my two best friends from back home, they're my two best friends at school too. Like I can text them. I can call them. I kind of keep to myself. I have one of my best friends at school is on the football team. His name's Jalen. Jalen, if you're watching this, shout out to Jalen. Super cool guy. And then like um, a couple other people from NCAA, um, like a couple of other athletes um, and like some of my teammates that I'm close with. Yeah. But a lot of people like I'm acquaintances with or I'm friends with, but not like my best friends. Cause I guess I'm kind of like, I, you get skeptical of like what people's intentions are like with you. And like, if they're just hanging out with you to go to the, like the athlete parties or like, you know, like, can you introduce me to this basketball player or this football player? And you're like, hey, like, how's your day going? You know what I mean? So, oh, hey, by the way, like, a lot of the people at my school, amazing people. Like, I love so many of them. But some, but a lot of people, you know, that talk to you or want to get to know you, you're like, I don't really know if you have, like, mm-hmm. like pure intentions with that or if you would really want to know me elsewhere. Because oh, there's like- a prestige that goes, that goes along with it, too, especially when you're, when you're in the States. There's a prestige that goes along with being on the team, right? Yeah. Yeah, for sure. It, there definitely is. And, like, this is, like, another thing, not necessarily with, like, how people – well, to do with how people look at you, but not, like, necessarily what they, like, want to get from you. But as a student athlete, like, I realize, like, how much impact – you have on the rest of the student body um and like they're willing to listen to you because they feel like maybe you know a lot of time they do look up to you right Mm -hmm. and so for example like I go to a private school in the south and um a lot of the population at my school were uh um uh, predominantly white students and a lot of them are like great people amazing people I've had like a pretty great experience at Wake but when all the stuff last summer was happening with Black Lives Matter the movement was like really starting to go along um I had a couple of the people from my school message me and say that you know if I wasn't following you like I don't know if my mind would have been changed or like actually talk to me about it and like heard what I had to say and like be educated by me because they knew me. And I just realized so many people look up to student athletes. And that's why it's important to like use your voice and to realize like, I guess the prestige that you have or like the, the, um, not power, I would say, but like the, like how prominent you are yeah you know what i'm trying to say like yeah like there's the power that you do have at your school to make a difference too yeah yeah and, and especially with somebody like you that has you know you have a platform you have a voice that that's popular you know what i mean right now so it's you know you so and, and i you know and um i know one thing we discussed online you had a i think you had a live um yeah. when you were talking about the um um yeah, with, with the Canada and all, yeah. Indian, yeah, like so with the Native Indian uh, babies that, that were all uh, the burial grounds were at the at the residential schools and everything yeah. else. So I'm like, I'm looking at that and I'm like, I saw the, the the clip and it was like six seven minutes, but I thought it was cool because I'm like, yeah, you know, here's a young lady, she's using her her platform, to, you know, to to be interested, to say her piece, to learn more, you know what I mean? And and yeah. it's it's I'm like. That's, you know, I commend you for, for doing something like that, because I know that's not an easy thing to do, you know, with the pressures of everything that's happening, right? Yeah. Thank you so much. That means a lot. I guess, like, in that moment, especially, like, 
I felt like something really had to be said. And I'm an emotional person. Like, like I'm going to try to speak my mind as best as possible, like on topics that I feel strongly about. And I guess with social media, like you see everybody reposting stuff and posting stuff. But I was like, me and my friends talk about it. It's like, yeah, it spreads awareness, but it's not really doing anything. Like signing a petition, you could do more. But like, I was like, I have to use my voice as best as possible. And there's so many topics that need to be talked about that like I need to be educated on that. Even like, tried to talk about but I'm like there's only so much you can like post in your story that people are not gonna like skip through or like actually read so you know I got on there and like I got emotional but I was like I I have to use my voice um so yeah no that's that's I think that's that's great like honestly and and I mean and and it's crazy that the fact that like last year with everything that's happening with George Floyd and and the the Black Lives Matter movement and everything else that what I always find amazing is that is that there are people out there that are completely unaware of yeah. what's happening. Like, I, um, <laughs> like I, I know there was, um, from even for myself, while that was going on, um, you know, I had friends of mine that like, um, that's, um, you know, just their coworkers and stuff. And, you know, let's just say like, none of their, you know, white counterparts, let's face it, were even bringing it up. And this is Canada, right? But nobody was even bringing it up. They're talking about everything else, but that, and I'm like, yeah. So nobody's yeah. Nobody, nobody wants to say anything about this. Like I'm, you know, having those conversations with people. Like, For so sure. nobody's gonna bring this up. Like, really? Yeah. Nobody? It's, nobody. All, it's all over the world. It's all over the news. Nobody's yeah. gonna talk about this in the, in the in the chat groups and stuff. Like, you know, I find it interesting. Yeah, I do find it interesting. You know what I realized? Like, from the difference between like Canada and America too is like I feel like Canada has such oppressed races or like like hidden racism like yeah, that's absolutely. why I did that live because I grew up experiencing that like at my school like I was one of the like minority kids so you experience it and like mm-hmm. everyone just kind of forgets about it like once you get older I feel like people like pretend like things don't happen but in America like I guess people are overt with racism but they're also overt with like talking about how they feel and like bringing up these topics and you know everyone sees America as like this terrible country but I feel like the thing is like people actually like talk about what they're saying and like I guess living there like I realized more and more I was like in Canada we're not that much better but the only difference is we're not talking about it that's you know everyone sees us as like perfect this that Mm, we got a lot of problems to fix you know know? and I mean as you could see right 215 children you know (laughs) ended up you know like I said there was a burial set with 215 they found an extra three hundred the other day. Yeah, and and that's a, and that's the sad thing about and that's the sad thing about that too. Where you're like, when I saw that, I wasn't honestly at this stage. Not only was I not surprised, I'm saying to myself, "Well, if you think this is the, this is the only one, then I don't know what yeah. what to tell you." Like, it's so sad. And then the thing is, like with social media, once again, I bring it up again. You know, you see everything on the story, and you're like, "Oh, this like is so sad. Like this sucks." Uh, but you're seeing it on everyone's stories and like everyone's posting about it. But then like, once you like really think about it and like what's happening, you just like get sick to your stomach. Cause it's like, it's almost like those things pass your pass through your ear and one out in one ear out the other, or like, as if they pass through your eyes when you're looking at it and you think about it, you're like, this is actually so disturbing and we're posting about it, but what are we doing about it? Is the thing, right. you know, like, right. what are we doing? So and, and, and that's the thing. And there's so much information with social media and everything else. Like you could almost become desensitized to it all, right? 
you, you, then that's part of the problem too. Yes. You become desensitized. Like that is, you, you're so right. That's the thing. Like you see it and you're like, tap through. Sure. Another person posts about it. Okay. Well, it's like, how am I just, even if I'm looking at it like 50 times, we all do it. We're skipping through it. Cause we've seen it before, but like every time I feel like it should be like, Oh my gosh, this is terrible. You know? Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. And then, and then you see swipe up and then it's like, there's three or four challenges that you're watching and then, you know. Oh yeah. And then you're like, Oh my gosh, like somebody's making slime or something. I don't know. Like our most random stuff, like mm-hmm. on like TikTok and stuff too. You know what I mean? So yeah. No, that's, that's, that's interesting because yeah, like I said, it's, you're in a good space right now because like I said, you have a platform, you got yeah. the, you got your youth. So you have a, a, a whole landscape of time to like, you know, if depending on what directions you want to take, you know, to go with yeah. it. It's, I think it's actually kind of exciting, you know, like we're it's like the position that you're at right now. Like it's, that's, yeah. that's, that's really cool. And, yeah. you know, I, I mentioned before that you're, you're, a, you're a TikTok Avenger. I'm just going to call you that. <laughs> yeah. hey, I love the Avengers. I love Marvel. If mm. anyone knows me, you know that. So I, that's, I will call myself that now. Uh, especially when you compare it to DC. It doesn't, no, they're just, yeah. no, 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 you're, you're an Avenger. You're a TikTok Avenger. Um, that is great. I love that. <laughs> and i know for your generation that you know this app is extremely popular so i understand how like how you want to be on it but when when did it start to take off for you like i'm interested in that like what was going through your mind when that started happening when you're like wait a minute why do i have ten thousand? wait a hundred thousand wait that's exactly how it went it's so funny you went like ten thousand a hundred thousand so it was last summer during quarantine like when i was back home before i went back to school and i used to make fun of my sister for making tiktoks i was like girl that is so cringy what are you doing but one day i got really bored so i was like i'm gonna cut my hair i have like heat damage i'm like, I'm gonna cut my hair and i'm gonna post a video about it um i was already posting like small tiktoks before that but i was like let me try like see something that'd be trendy i guess or like that would blow up per se and I didn't expect it to get that much traction but like it got a lot and then I reached like 10,000 followers from a couple other videos and I was like hey Lex that's my sister's name I was like what if I got to 100,000 like wouldn't that be crazy she's like Aaliyah like that would be unreal if you got like a million likes or something and yeah then it went to 100,000 like 10 million likes kind of thing you know two or like then it was like 500k now i'm like 1.2 million and i have almost 30 30,000 30 million likes and it's just like oh man like i never thought that would actually happen and now when i go out in public there's always like even in pickering like in my like hometown if i go out there's always somebody that recognizes me or is like you're that tiktok girl right and i'm like ah, it's so weird so they don't know you as a track star they don't they don't know you as this they they know you as a tiktok girl that's crazy yeah it's so it's so funny because sometimes i'll think people know me for like track or something and then i realize like they don't anymore um when i'm hosting like my talk show tap in yeah people i don't think a lot of the people that watch my show know that i run track too they just think that i'm this tiktoker hosting like a sports show so like it's kind of funny so so was there like um was there one was there one post in particular that made everything kind of skyrocket? Yeah, there's two. So like the the first one that really like skyrocketed, like went like viral, um, was during when I went back to school, like during 
like the quarantine days in America. Um, it was like in November, I guess. And I posted a video to the song for the night by Pop Smoke. And it's just like me lip syncing in a mirror. And with my like, I had short hair and everybody liked my short hair. And they just liked the way I filmed the video. So it got like, um, like, almost 2 million likes. And then yeah, so that during that time, I got up to like, 300,000, then 400, 500. And then I posted a video. This was actually just like a like two months ago, maybe. Um, I posted a video of me like in my gear for a track meet. And for some reason, like somebody thought that I was just really tan. And because of my complexion, they were like, this girl's like, she would be so much prettier if she didn't tan every day. And I was like, actually, like my reply video is like, I hate to break it to you, but I'm black. And that got like almost 10 million likes. And from then I got like 700,000 more followers. That People thought I was funny. So yeah. That is crazy. And crazy. and now with this, um, with this, like the platform has grown to this degree so far. Um, where do you, where do you want to take it? Like, how, how do you want to use it? Like, where do you want to take it? Just, you know, curious. Oh man. Like <laughs> I want to take it like, far in the sense that like I want to use like okay I like to use everything to its maximum potential so the fact that like I'm an athlete and I have experience in athletics like my communications major and this platform so I guess that's why I started the talk show because I know maybe social media won't last for that long so it's like let me start something that could lead me to other possible like careers in the future so it's like I have this big platform now let me start a talk show because I know I want to be either a commentator, like broadcast journalist, like a broadcaster, you know, something like that. So like, I'll start this talk show. I know I could get some pretty good athletes on here and use my communications major, like my public speaking skills to do this. And so I see myself, you know, going into like being a broadcaster, like working at ESPN, something like that, or um, using my track career to go pro and then just using that platform to help other athletes feel motivated or speak on topics that need to be talked about um, that are hidden uh, and stuff like that. It's weird because like my like following comes from TikTok, but the videos that I post on TikTok don't reflect me as much like as I want them to they're more just like oh hey You're like having fun I'm having fun or like I'm looking pretty something like that like the most basic stuff but like my Instagram I guess is where I can kind of show myself more I guess more. um yeah. it's more professional I would say mm -hmm. so okay yeah. that's, I mean that's interesting and I mean right now it's funny because you're saying like you want to be a broadcaster or you want to do track I mean, yeah. you, you, I mean, where you, where you are right now, first of all, I mean, 1.2 million of anything, you can't ignore that. So yeah. um, you're, you're already, honestly, you, you're already at an incredible start. Like you're, you're Thank at a you. base right now where, I mean, who's going to ignore that, you know? So right <laughs> off the top, if, if this is what you want to do, they're going to look at that and be like, whoa, okay, we got to, we got to bring her in. We got to yeah. figure something out. <laughs> you know, we want to be part of this world. Like that's, yeah. that's normally how that would start. Mm -hmm. and, and I mean, and then on top of that, too, like, you know, you could probably do both, you know, in that sense of, of doing this still, doing broadcasting, you know, while doing your track career, if you decide 100%. to be like a, a multiple medal, you know, Olympic, like, Olympic athlete. Yeah. Like, it's all there, you know, and, 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 and on top of that, too, where we are now, because you have your phone, 
You know what I mean? Or your laptop or your tablet or what have you. From anywhere. You do this from anywhere. Yeah. As long, as long as you have good Wi-Fi, I mean, that's it. <laughs> yeah, for sure. And then I guess um, the last thing, I mean, it's all that. And then once I'm out of the NCAA, like I'll be able to make my endorsements as long as I keep myself relevant. That's what I was saying. Like I try yeah. to keep myself relevant because I know as of right now, I can't do that. But like, once I'm out, like, you know, I'm trying to make that money and like invest and, you know, make something of it. Yeah. No. And you made it. You, you may as well. Listen, like I said, again, 1.2 is not something like you. I mean, you. that's nothing to, to sneeze at. You know what I mean? So yeah. that's like you're starting from a base where like, again, like if you want to take these avenues. For like, sure. You're, yeah. You're, you're laughing right now. Like and, and, uh, and, you know, to segue to that, like you have a, a show on IG called Tap In. Yeah. We interview many different athletes. I'm curious to, to hear how that started for you. Like, I know you're explaining a little bit before, but like, just, you know, where do you see this going? Because I mean, again, like you're, you're doing good so far. So like, what, like, what did it, like, how did this, like, how did this idea start? Was it because of TikTok or was it because you already yeah. had a thing in communications and now this is a good mm -hmm. way into it? Okay. So like I said, I like to maximize my potential everywhere and you know, I got my track career, my communications major that I'll get out of that, uh, and this platform. Mm -hmm. um, and it happened through TikTok because on most of my videos, like, it's just me, like, in the mirror, singing, doing something. That's what gets the likes for me. That's just how it is. Um, it is what it is. But people will always comment, like, oh, like, as you know, they'll be petty, like, so much talent or, like, wow, like, Mm, she must be talented or like stuff like that they're like oh my gosh like is this all you do they don't know I'm a d1 track runner who's like at a prestigious university like working my like working like as hard as I can to be here right and so I was like it wouldn't really bother me I don't let the comments really bother me much but I'd be like mm, I don't want people just to think that that this is all I do you know like that kind of sucks I mean I have this other part of my life that's so prominent and people kind of don't know about it so one day I was bored and I got a comment like that and I was like you know what like I'm gonna start a talk show because I want to be a commentator like working in broadcasting um I have this huge platform and I want to do something more with it like let me start a talk show and I knew I could gather these like you know well-known athletes to be on the show um some of them are my good friends and they're really cool people and it's so nice that I just get to know them and people love it like it brought the views in and I love that people love seeing what I love doing if that made sense like they're watching me doing what I loved and it wasn't me just being like singing TikTok songs you know um and yeah like it, it's been good ever since I stopped it um since I got injured just because I was like I want to focus and get, get back to it and when I get back to everything I want to put my effort in I'm just like working on making everything as effective as possible but I'm like really excited to get back to it and I love it and like yeah. I said I mean you know you know the fact that you know you're you're a communications major you know like I said before like I think you're you know you're obviously off to a good start career rise so far it's a little bit it's a little bit it's a little bit <laughs> Um, you know, once you've retired from track and I'm thinking, you know, long-term view, uh, does having your own shows, you know, having your own production company, um, is that something you want to do or continue to do, or, or are you just open for anything at this point? 
okay at the same time i'm open for anything like i see the good in like everything i can i'm a very i'm very much an optimist like i i would always say to people like i guess as a motivational thing like even if you were like living on the streets like homeless i know it's like easier said than done but there's always a way you can work up from like a hard place you know what i mean and like you know get yourself um out of tough situations for example like i guess i'm just yeah i'm a very optimistic person like i said easier said than done right but um yeah i mean i, I i'm interested in kind of doing anything that life throws at me that i'm I see an opportunity in. Um, yeah, I, I try my best to see the best in everything. And I'm excited to see where it takes me. Like, if I do get like a broadcasting job, that would be great. Or I could start it myself. Or maybe the talk show blows up and it becomes like a bigger thing. You know, I, I like to take things day by day. Like, for example, with my love of track, I take it day by day. Um, I feel like when I set myself really long-term goals it gets overwhelming but when i set those short-term goals and uh try to live my best day every day uh everything comes to me and i don't have to like work for it per se and i mean and this is and this is the time to to get into those things right because i, I always like to say that the the former foundation of how things work in this world is and you're seeing it like right now is everything is kind of being broken right, right. where it's like there's new foundations that are being built and you know like even tv where television is that like your generation probably focuses on on the actual tv actual watching of tv probably mm -hmm. less than any other generation that's come right. before you guys right because i'm in a generation that even though everything is is on demand and stuff you know I, like i'm still gonna sit on my couch and still watch it Right. Yep. Even though I have my tablet, and I have my phone, I can watch all those things. And I do, especially Netflix. Netflix yes. stays on my phone half the time. But a lot of times I'm watching it on my TV. But your generation, yeah. you guys don't. On my computer. I love my little Mac with like my mini movie screen, you know, like. Yeah, you, you, you guys are good. So that's what I mean. So it's like just even that model alone is just it's kind of breaking everything. So I think whatever comes out of that. Yeah, I think for your generation, yep. you, you absolutely, you know should attack that you know and keep everything open because this is this is all new like even what i do now like in terms of podcasting podcasting is so new still yeah you know, even though it's blowing up it's it's still in its infancy right yeah so, for sure we don't know what's happening with that either i think that's why i kind of jumped in a few years ago because i'm like i'm kind of looking at it from that space and i'm like mm, this this the radio is not where it's at right now you know like no, i noticed that I like six seven years ago like mm -mm. Right. Cause, yeah. Cause yeah. Cause I, I look at it and I'm like, and even at that time, bef way before I started this, I'm think like, like a lot of times I'm listening to podcasts myself. You know what I mean? I'm, I'm barely listening to radio. It's either that it's either podcast or Sirius XM. And I'm yeah. not saying radio is not important. It is, but it's you know, just it's not as prominent. Yeah. It's changing. So, so I think for you, like that's, yeah, this is, it's definitely a great look, you know, where, where it is you're looking to go. Because, yeah. you know, like I said, you never know. It's Everything's open right now. This is the best right. time to start and do anything right now. It's open. For sure. Yeah. It's open. Create your own cheat codes, damn it. Like, that's the way. No, for <laughs> real. You got to. Oh, no, this is the way to you go. You got to. Yeah. Now, now um, you know, I guess what what is it you've learned from yourself during this journey from all of it, from TikTok, social media, track? Venus student athlete at this stage right now, like what can you say from the grind of starting out 
you know, when you're in the second grade and, you know, you got pushed into doing the 800. So where you are now, like what have you learned about yourself throughout this journey, throughout this process? I would say the main thing I learned like for through this whole journey is just loving what you're doing genuinely and making sure that everything you're doing, you know, it's for like the best intentions, you know what I'm saying? So for example, like, you know, I've been in so many situations where, like I said, other people's goals for me have been their goals for themselves. Like, so I feel like sometimes people live vicariously through people. And that's like, you know, that's like a natural thing people do sometimes, but it can put on a lot of pressure. And then I guess when I'm doing things and it's not me really like loving doing those like things like even trap, like it came down to that. Um, it became difficult to even want to be running right um so I had to genuinely be loving what I was doing in order to be successful at it um in order for me to be successful with social media I had to incorporate something that I loved into it like do my talk show because if not I was just kind of like posting like I said to stay relevant you know um or you know yeah like (laughs) that kind of stuff and then uh, one other thing that I realized, like, no matter how many followers or likes and everything you get, people say this all the time. People say this all the time. No matter how ma- many followers and likes you get, you-, you still won't be happy unless you're internally happy. And that's like the biggest thing I've learned too. no matter how big I got on the track, how fast my times got, like how many followers I got, all that stuff. Like if I'm not happy inside, it doesn't matter what everybody else is seeing because you have to be happy with yourself at the end of the day you know what i mean so those are like those the things that i've learned and that are so important uh that i carry through every day now no that's awesome and i think that's the big thing to i guess grasp if you can master that early like you can master that at the stage that you're at now in life thank you yeah Yeah. it's, it's it's that's gonna that's gonna be a superpower in itself right yeah, I know. But it's but it's true. Like, you know, like the basis of everything is love, you know, from, you know, at this stage of my life, I can tell you, like the basis of everything that you want to do, if, if you don't have a love and a passion for it, it's never going to feel right. You know, it's no. never going to, it's, it's never going to feel a hundred percent. Yeah. So it took me a while to figure that out. Like up until pretty recently with like all this stuff going on in my own life, but I'm so happy I made those realizations. And then like, I do feel really happy and more fulfilled than I did even like six months ago, you know, I was struggling at some point. So, yeah. Yeah, no, which, and, and, and and I think, like I said, I think this is all, this is all great for you. Like I said, this is all a learning process for you. Even the, even the bad, like you got to embrace it all, right. To like appreciate the journey, right. Like if it's, if it's all only about the ups, you know, you can't handle the downs as good if you can only appreciate the ups. Right. So, But, that, sure. but like I said, the, the, the basis to me and everything, you know, I've learned this myself probably in the last few years and during this COVID era too, like you, you, you know, you, I think everybody in this, in this, on this planet has a chance to like really reflect on life and stuff. And, you know, yeah. I, I think that's one of the big things you learn is like, it's, it's all about love. It's all about the love, man. Love and the passion. Like this all about us from family, friends, crafts, you know, goals, Whatever it is, if it's if it's not about that love and you know that love inward for yourself and what you want to do first, it's just it doesn't yeah, rock so, feel the same. For sure. For sure. Yeah. And, 
and I got one more question I got to ask you uh, before before we wrap. Like, this is my last question, and I'm going to be super serious here. So, you know, I hope you can stay with me on this. Um, hmm, it's the best way I can ask this. Um, did your brother ever forgive you for cutting his hair? <laughs> I wish he was here. This is like the best question ever. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Okay. <sighs> he... You know what? He wanted a buzz cut. So I was like, okay, let me try to fade you then. Cause um, I gave myself my own haircut. Like I have short hair because I just like it that way. I realized. So mm -hmm. I had short hair. I was like, let me try to fade you. So maybe I could fade myself. Oh man, I messed that boy up. I feel so bad. Um, but in return, he wanted me to get a bad lineup. Um, so I'm wearing my wig right now. I'm not going to take it off, but currently I have the worst box lineup. Don't have my edges right now, but it was in return. I felt pretty bad. I'm going to wear the wig <laughs> for a couple more weeks. and Hopefully the edges will grow back. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Hopefully, um, they usually do. So it would be great if they would. But yeah, that video is so funny. I'm sorry. People keep asking me about it. I like, like, whenever I like go places, if they've seen it, they're like, "Did your brother actually like let you do that?" And I was like, "Yeah, I'm never gonna do it again." Yeah, they're like, "How's your brother? Is your brother okay?" <laughs> yeah, they're like, "Like, he still loves you, right? Your brother still yeah. loves you. Like, it's just." Yeah, they're like, "Is he?" safe with you 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 shouldn't be cutting his hair you didn't do a great job yeah i'm like man i'm sorry but yeah that was a great last question i love that one well th thank you and, and it's funny because just to to give you a quick little story your brother ended up better than i did when my sister cut my hair the first time and this was years ago she cut off a piece of my ear no yes she cut off a piece of my ear that i that. never grown back so at least your brother doesn't have that yeah, yeah, yeah. That's At least the hair could grow back. Stop. Oh, my gosh. You know what? Maybe this is my, like, next avenue in life, being a barber. I'm just going to prove everybody wrong. Maybe. That's so funny. Thank you. Maybe. Celebrity celebrity lifestyle barber coming at your service. Celebrity awesome. lifestyle track star barber, you know. You got to see where see it goes. Cut? No, that's so <laughs> funny, though. Thank you, though. No problem. And look, Aaliyah, thank you so much for, for hopping on this podcast and you know, they jumping on the app and having a conversation. Yeah, I appreciate having you on. I know we've been trying to hook, hook this up for a little bit. Yeah, but yeah. yeah, thank you so much. Like, it means so much just, yeah, having somebody ask me to be on their show. So, yeah, yeah thank no, you. For sure, for sure, for sure. All right. Thank you, as always, for checking out the Av podcast on South Shore Ave Radio. A big major shout out goes out to Leah Hutchins for taking the time to come on my podcast and share her path and her story with us. And I hope you got the chance to enjoy it as much as I did. I appreciate you for tuning in. I have a new episode of our podcast out tomorrow, breaking down the NBA finals. And we're going to be coming out every week with new episodes. As always, hit the like button and the favorite buttons. Subscribe to all of these shows and to check out my catalog. As I say, every time out. Make sure you check out SouthShoreAve.com. Once again, that's SouthShoreAve.com. For Aaliyah Hutchins, this is Cal C. And you just tuned in to the Av Podcast on South Shore Ave Radio. All right, to the next podcast, folks. Peace. We out.